Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Energy Central Power Perspectives podcast, the show that brings leading minds to discuss the latest challenges and trends transforming and modernizing the energy systems and the utility industry of the future. And a quick thank you to Global Sign for making today's episode possible. Now, let's talk energy. I'm Jason Price, Energy Central podcast host and director with West Monroe, coming to you from New York City. And with me, as always, from Orlando, Florida, is Energy Central producer and community manager, Matt Chester. Matt, before we bring in today's guest, you did some digging around on North American Energy Standards Board, or NASB, specifically the important work around PKI standards development coming out of the NASB Cybersecurity Subcommittee. So set the groundwork by giving us a primer on NASB and PKI. Happy to, Jason. So I've come across the NASB discussions on Energy Central in the past, but truthfully, I had never done a deep dive. And, and so what I learned uh, ahead of this podcast was quite interesting. So as you said, NASB, it stands for the North American Energy Standards Board, and it serves as an industry forum for the development and the promotion of standards which will lead to a seamless marketplace for wholesale and retail natural gas and electricity as recognized by its customers, by the business community, by participants, and by regulatory entities. Among the extensive critical work being done by NASB is the core pillar of creating a seamless marketplace around cybersecurity and specifically the need to authenticate users and entities to often highly sensitive resources. So given the long-standing track record of public key infrastructure or PKI to provide encryption, data integrity, and authentication to online transactions in a cost-effective and scalable method, NASB leaders recognized the need for a rigorous standard to meet the specific needs of the wholesale electric sector. And that's why they stepped up to do so, providing a critical service in today's increasingly digital industry. Thanks, Matt. That's really insightful and very helpful for sure. And it highlights how crucial of a topic cybersecurity is for the Energy Central community. You know, in today's climate, with cyber attacks and vulnerabilities ripe for exploitation, we're seeing increasing focus from utility thought leaders. And it's evident by the SolarWinds hack and the Colonial Pipeline ransomware attack and the recent Log4j vulnerability that impact grid providers. It's become clear that wholesale electric utilities Entities whose core competency is likely not in the area of cybersecurity need to lean on proven cybersecurity best practice standards and frameworks to secure their operations. As the grid modernizes and more data resides outside the traditional protected perimeter, this need has only exasperated. So to help guide us through this technical conversation, we're joined by Lila Key. Lila is the Chief Product Officer at GlobalSign and where she's helped numerous utility stakeholders embrace these necessary frameworks, as well as spend a number of years as a member of NASB herself, even a few years as a board member. So she knows all the ins and outs, and we're excited to hear what she has to share with us to get us up to speed. Lila Key, welcome to today's episode of Energy Central's Power Perspectives podcast. It's my pleasure to be here. Lila, you are talking to a knowledgeable Energy Central audience but they also may come not from a cybersecurity background. To make sure we're all working off the same language, can you provide a high-level explanation of what PKI is? Sure thing, Jason. In short, 
Public Key Infrastructure, or PKI, is a framework that governs how digital certificates are issued and used to protect sensitive data, identify endpoints, as well as provide secure transmissions using what's called encryption technology. Certificate authorities, like GlobalSign's job, is to verify the identities reflected in the digital certificate. Hence, in essence, it binds the identity of the public key to the certificate holder. Think about it like a driver's license identifies a person in the physical world. A digital certificate can identify all sorts of endpoints in the cyber world, ranging from people, organizations, web servers, and machines. This is especially important as we venture into the world of the smart grid in IoT. Thanks. And as we discussed in the intro, NASB is a key driver of PKI for utilities. So can you explain what exactly is NASB's role in PKI for the energy sector? So what NASB has done is created a three-pillar approach to ensure that the wholesale and retail electric and gas segments have a common framework around securing trusted online transactions used in public key infrastructure. The first pillar is the Authorized Certificate Authority accreditation requirements. This is a detailed document that describes the requirements that a certificate authority must follow to issue and manage NASB-compliant digital certificates. It's reviewed annually at minimum by the Cybersecurity Subcommittee and modified as needed to address the current cyber vulnerabilities and sometimes to address FERC and NERC compliance updates. These requirements must be also reflected in the CA Certificate Practice Statement for the benefit of the relying party. In short, the CPS provides information to any person, organization, or application relying on a NASB certificate on the assurance level of the certificate. The second pillar is the WEC 12 standard for cybersecurity that governs FERC-regulated entities, detailing their obligations around requesting, using, and managing NASB digital IDs. These entities could be electric or gas generation, transmission, or market broker participants that use NASB certificates to authenticate their users and machines within their applications. It too is reviewed annually at minimum. And finally, the third pillar is the authorized CA certification process for the certificate authorities like GlobalSign to obtain and maintain annual accreditation. This includes paying an annual membership fee, signing an affidavit of compliance, and engaging with an external NASB auditor to ensure independent assessment of compliance. Hence, it's not insignificant investment to maintain ACA accreditation, especially since the standard is always changing to keep up with modern-day security threats. Those CAs who do complete this process successfully are displayed on the NASB website. All right, so cybersecurity, as I understand it, is an ever-moving target where enterprises are working to stay one step ahead of potential bad actors. Part of the journey has been towards a need for PKI. So how did the need for a PKI standard ultimately evolve? The PKI standard evolved about the same time as President Obama's February 2013 executive order regarding improving critical infrastructure cybersecurity that basically directed NIST to lead the development of a framework to reduce cyber risks to critical infrastructure, which the energy sector is part of. This framework later became the NIST cybersecurity framework. It was then a handful of cybersecurity thought leaders representing key 
independent in regional transmission operators, or what folks on this call understand as ISOs and RTOs, decided the current and virtually ignored standard around PKI originally developed in 2006 for the wholesale electric quadrant was not sufficiently rigorous to ward off modern-day cyber threats. Worse yet, many grid participants were using either in-house PKI solutions or commercial solutions with no clear definition around assurance level. As a result, the PKI subcommittee, later renamed the Cybersecurity Subcommittee, was reactivated to revamp the WEP 12 standard to address the specific needs of the wholesale and gas electric quadrants. After several lengthy subcommittee meetings and eventual approval by the NASB Executive Council and Board, NASB submitted the updated standard to FERC for approval. In 2014, FERC adopted the NASB WEC version 3 business practice standard and has since has created later versions. Thanks for that. It's very thorough. So turning back to NASB and their role in this area, can you give us a bit more context? For example, like who is represented on the committee and what are their stated goals? Yeah, so the committee includes representation from, first of all, certificate authorities like GlobalSign, who have great subject matter expertise on running a secure and highly available CA, as well as cybersecurity professionals from electric utilities and RTOs and ISOs that understand the unique security and regulatory needs of the wholesale electric market. Together, the subcommittee shaped the PKI standards that we have in place today. The subcommittee has a few goals in mind that govern their approach. It originally focused on securing wholesale electric quadrant applications such as OASIS, e-tagging, but later expanded to retail and it also included the gas segments. They also wanted to make sure they could leverage open standards like the X509 standard that governs digital certificates wherever possible for maximum interoperability. And it was really important to them that they used a risk-based framework, similar to the NIST cybersecurity framework, to appropriately size the operational and financial investment of the asset being protected. And then finally, knowing that threat landscape is ever-changing, they wanted to make sure that it was a living, breathing document and that the subcommittee met on a regular basis to modify it to keep up with those ever-changing threats. Well, I want to dig a little bit further here. So we've had a handful of cybersecurity conversations on this podcast, but sometimes they've focused on different frameworks and practices. So how does NASB differ, for example, from, say, the NIST cybersecurity framework? Well, like the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, CISA, NASB provides a bit more prescriptive support than, say, the NIST cybersecurity framework. What's missing the cybersecurity framework is really the how-to element. For example, WEC 12 standard and the ACA accreditation requirements on PKI provides a very detailed and concrete set of requirements for users, relying parties, as well as the authorized CAs themselves on how they must implement to meet the standard. Can you break it down for us? Like I said, you know, the audience knows cybersecurity, but like me, probably enough to be dangerous. So what does the NASB standard actually cover? So generally speaking, the WEC 12 PKI standard governs three main parties. The first party are the end users who wish to apply for a digital certificate to be used to authenticate to FERC-regulated and non-FERC-regulated applications. Again, like I said before, OASIS and e-tagging are two great examples. The next party is the relying parties, such as applications 
on how they must apply access control mechanisms, such as checking revocation status, verifying the assurance level of the certificate being presented, and the validity of the certificate. And then finally, it's the authorized CAs in terms of accreditation requirements. You've noted that the NASB takes a risk-based approach to PKI. Can you explain that further? Sure thing. So, as in all good security practices, before technology is even applied, a risk assessment based on sound policy should be the starting point to determine the rigor of the security technology and business processes put in place. NASB recognized PKI as one of the most scalable and cost-effective methods to add much-needed what we call two-factor authentication to critical resources, but also recognize that not all resources have the same consequence if they are breached. Therefore, the Cybersecurity Subcommittee took a page out of NIST and classified the requirements into four main assurance levels. They go from low to the highest, starting with rudimentary, basic, medium, and then high assurance. Okay, great. So why don't we move now from the theoretical to the practice? At the end of the day, it's it's all about what is in practice. So can you describe for our audience a key use case that NASB certificates are used for? Yeah, so although the NASB standard supports a variety of use cases that can support authentication, encryption, secure email, code signing, just name a few, the majority of NASB certificates in the field today are used for strong authentication of users in systems to applications such as OASIS and e-tagging. In the case of OASIS and e-tagging, FERC's NOPRA around the inclusion of the NASB business standards, including WEC 12, has required NASB certificates to be used. However, some ISOs and RTOs are using NASB certificates as just best practice for market participants to securely access their market portals. I know that there are commercial CA PKIs, but how does that differ from the NASB PKI standard? In some respects, Commercial CAs do operate within strict and uniform guidelines as they are all web trust audited to varying degrees subject to strict root program requirements from Apple, Mozilla, Microsoft, and Chrome. However, most of the governance is around the type of certificates called TLS, which we used to refer to as SSL certificates, and recently secure email and code signing. But given the majority of NASB certificates are issued as authentication certificates, there's a wide variety of how subscribers are vetted and certificate lifecycle management is implemented. Some great examples of NASB creating uniformity is around the adoption of stronger key sizes, that's the strength of the certificate, and signature algorithms. And they did this before it was even common practice. So what are some of the other common cyber threats digital certificates like these can help ward off? Well, as we saw with the Colonial Pipeline attack, Ransomware is becoming one of the greatest cyber threats where bad actors are injecting ransomware into networks that encrypt their data, leaving them in a lurch as they sort out the cost benefit of either restoring backups versus bringing their operation back online quickly. Ransomware, like most malware, is often injected via the most mundane of all techniques, that being phishing and spear phishing. So having a digitally signed email from an authorized CA provides the recipients of these emails a assurance level that the identity of the sender can be trusted or not. These are certainly intense conversations and intense topics. So, Lila, I really want to thank you for your time and sharing this wisdom with us. We're going to give you an opportunity to end on uh, your closing thoughts, but 
we have in our program something called the lightning round where we step out of our role, our day-to-day -day job role, and, and we want to learn a little bit more about you as the person. So we have a set of questions that require a single word or phrase response. So are you ready? Sounds good. Should be fun. Okay, absolutely. So who is your childhood hero? Definitely my father. He was the most engaging, loving, and inspirational person in my life. Always had time, no matter how tired he was from work, and we had countless hours of ping pong and, and card playing. If you won the lottery, what's your first frivolous purchase? Well, as an avid all-season hiker living in New England, I would splurge on all new hiking equipment, but of course I'd like to buy a Tesla to get me to the hiking trail. What's your go-to movie snack? Well, I'm a netaholic, so I'd have to say cashews. What's the best way to spend a Sunday afternoon? Definitely morning hiking and then afternoon yoga. What are you most optimistic about? This is going to sound a little geeky. I'm optimistic that folks are now beginning to understand the importance of data privacy and will gravitate to new products that will respect their personal information. Nicely done. Lila, before I let you go and give you the last word, I have to ask, how often do you change your password on your computer? <laughs> well, as a security professional, this response might surprise you. Honestly, not as often as you think is needed. A few years back, NIST issued a recommendation that frequent changes in long and complex passwords did not increase security. I suspect it addressed the unintended yellow sticky issue that arose when IT administrators required frequent changes. The key is to select a long, mixed-character password that you can remember and keep secure in a password manager. Just don't write it down. Perfect, Lila. Before we let you go, you have the audience and the floor and you have their attention. What would be your final thoughts you'd like our audience to take away from this conversation? My parting thoughts are grid providers should take full advantage of government and industry cybersecurity resources such as NASB in the Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Agency, otherwise known as CISA. In the case of CISA, this agency is superbly equipped to assist grid providers on how to safeguard their cyber assets, including how to deal with real-time threats. This is especially important considering the heightened level of cyber threats facing our nation stemming from the Russian-Ukraine conflict. Although Russia aside, utility companies must accept the threat landscape is ever-changing and frankly impossible for most utility companies to stay on top of. Leveraging the resources of NASB and CISA allows CISOs, CTOs, and CIOs much-needed support in the area that frankly is not their core competency. In short, implementing cyber defenses is a never one and done, but instead an ongoing act of diligence around defense hardening. Well, we appreciate your hard work and we can certainly tell the passion from how you, you talked about the work you've been doing. So we wanna thank you for sharing your thoughts. It was an extremely educational episode. I certainly walked away with a better understanding of NASB and the criticalness that we need to address here. And we, we were thrilled to have you on and we certainly want to bring you back uh, at a future date to learn more about any of the developments going on in the marketplace and how NASB is helping people wade through that. But for now, we want to thank you for your insights and look forward to our members in the community who want to continue the conversation with Lila. You certainly can do that on, on our platform, energycentral.com. Thank you so much, Lila, for joining us today. Thank you, Jason. It was my pleasure. 
And as I said, you can always reach Lila through the Energy Central platform, which welcomes your questions and comments. And on behalf of the Energy Central team, thanks to everyone for listening today. Further, we want to thank Global Sign for making today's episode possible. Global Sign is a global certificate authority and leading provider of digital signing, identity, and security solutions for the Internet of Things. Global Sign is one of the world's most deeply rooted certificate authorities and a leading provider of trusted identity and security solutions, enabling businesses, large enterprises, cloud-based service providers, and IoT innovators worldwide to conduct secure online communications while managing billions of verified digital identities and automating their authentication and encryption. For more information, visit globalsign.com. Once again, I'm your host, Jason Price. Plug in and stay fully charged in the discussion by hopping into the community at energycentral.com. And we'll see you next time at the Energy Central Power Perspectives Podcast.